We're continuing with our series, Family Feud. Several weeks ago, Bishop started a series about the family. And we've talked about husband-wife relationships. Uh, but that's just the genesis of the family. It's, there's more to the family than husband and wife. Then you have the children. So today, what we're going to focus on, we're going to have a, a panel, and we're going to have a conversation, and, and we're going to talk about family dynamics. I trust that your hearts are open and that you will receive something from here. And for some of us who made mistakes, uh, we can't correct them because the kids are grown and gone, but we can help somebody else. And those of you who are just beginning, uh, may the Lord give you abundant grace to raise a godly seed or godly seeds. Ladies and gentlemen, church family, the panelists. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory be to God. Good morning, church. Oh, you guys sound very vibrant this morning. Let's see if you can keep that same energy by the end of this service. Because we're getting ready to go some places that are very necessary. Um, I want to say welcome to this discussion. We are, in a sense, at the tail end of the series, and I'm hoping that by now we've gotten some perspective when it comes to the family, when it comes to the war, when it comes to the fight, that we as husbands and their wives and children and with a single parent, there's just so many things that have happened in our world when it comes to family and the fight that is ongoing. Somebody say ongoing. Because just when you think you have arrived, you have just begun. That's kind of how it works. So for those of you that don't know who I am, my name is Pastor Varney. I am the youth and the young adult pastor here at our local church. And it's a privilege to serve this amazing leadership in Bishop and Lady Chris. Thank you for the opportunity to have these conversations. Somebody said you've opened Pandora's box. Now you must continue. So we'll look forward to doing more of these. But Along with me this morning, I have some amazing panelists, some well-rounded, well-informed people who will come and provide insight in regards to our conversation. So to my immediate right, I'm going to allow them to go ahead and just uh, introduce themselves and maybe share one or two thoughts concerning today. Good morning, church. Good morning. Um, welcome. Uh, my name is Caleb Taylor. If you guys don't know me. Woo! <laughs> uh, Glad to be here. Um, yeah, I was just glad to share my insight, and I uh, can't wait to see where it goes. So, <laughs> praise God. <laughs> well done, well done. Uh, good morning. Morning. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, my name is Willie Belong. Um, uh, but yeah, same same deal. You know, just. Here to, I guess they, they kind of dragged me over here. I, I didn't know I was doing this until last week. So, you know, um, it is what it is. So, uh, like Caleb said, we're going to see how it goes. Good morning, everybody. Um, my name is Ann Kofi. And um, I've been at this church for a very long time, from even before I was born. My parents have been here. 
Um, and I'm just happy to be able to share some wisdom and knowledge with all of you guys. Good morning, church. My name is Kishna, and I am happy to be here. Good morning. I'm Alfred Abayami Cole, father of four, and I'm happy to be here. Good morning, everyone. I am Precious Taylor, and I am a proud mom of two girls. They are currently uh, 17 and 15, and I'm here to give you a perspective from a single mom's point of view. Excellent. Um, so what's interesting is when Bishop started this series, he had made reference to the war in Ukraine. And we're all familiar with the tragedy that's taking place right now in that part of Europe. And something he said that was so profound that really has stuck out during the entire series was when the enemy comes, he's not going to see our backs. Somebody finish the phrase. He's going, he's going to see our faces. And this is a quote from President Zelensky. That's cute and all. That's good and all. It's true and all. We need to stand there. But what happens when, as the enemy has seen my face, there's friendly fire in the back? <laughs> this war against our family, when it's external, it's, it's something that we're willing to go after and fight for our families. But I dare to say that it's, it's, it's even more it's delicate when it enters into your home where parents see their children as the enemy and children see their parents as the enemy and there's friendly fire. How many of you can relate to what I'm, what I'm talking about? I just want to make sure this is the right conversation. Okay? Too often we allow ourselves to kill one another and the enemy's job is like, okay, fine, you do the work. We put him in the unemployment line. In essence, we hope that today's conversation will helpfully, hopefully, uh, bring some things in the proper perspective. So there is a key verse that we're going to be um, coming out of, and it is found in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, Ephesians 6, 4, the amplified version. I want you to hear how this reads, because it convicts me when I read it, and I, I'm hoping it does the same to you. By the way, it's Father's Day this month. Shout out to all of you fathers in the house. Yeah. Hoorah to the fathers in the house. The scripture says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Hmm. And there was silence in this Presbyterian church. Do not exasperate them to the point of resentment with demands that are trivial, unreasonable, humiliating, abusive, nor by showing favoritism or indifference to any of them. But... Bring them up tenderly with loving kindness in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, the scripture says fathers, but we know there are single moms here too. And some of you are wearing two hats, mom and dad. We get it. This scripture applies to you as well. Okay? Now, let me give you a backdrop. One of my favorite Old Testament parenting uh, uh, perspectives comes in the story of Elkanah and Hannah. How many of you are familiar with Elkanah and Hannah. Pastor Chris, I'm going to tell you who needs to come to the school of ministry today. How many of y'all know the story of Elkanah and Hannah? Raise your hand, I want to see. Everybody like, me, me, me. Great. In that story, Hannah could not have a child. Hannah was desperate for a child. Hannah wanted a baby so bad. Hannah wanted to, I mean, whatever it took, she was at the altar praying to the point where she even looked like she was out of her mind and drunk. She was desperate. 
She said, Lord, if you give me a child, I'm going to dedicate this child to you. And guess what the Lord did? He answered the prayer. Gave them a son. We know him as Samuel. And she did exactly what she, what she said she was going to do. She dedicated him to the service of the Lord. Some of us need to get to the place where we, you know, we, re we revisit our commitment. We'll go back to the place where, Lord, I promise you, I'm giving them to you. Well, we know the story. Eli, who was kind of like the mentor to this young man, the, the, the father figure, he wasn't perfect. He had some mess in his house too, you know. He had, he had some things he didn't do right. And, but thank God for Samuel. Samuel came out great. Okay, Samuel was able to be used by the Lord to, to anoint the great King David and so on and so forth. Ideal situation and a not so great situation. Then my mind also goes to Yoshebed. How many of y'all know who Yoshebed is? Yoshebed. I say Bible scholars, where y'all at? Raise your hand. Yoshebed. Yoshebed. Oh, Moses. You know Moses, but you need to know his mama. Mm-hmm. Moses was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. He was adopted in a system that was godless and paganistic, hedonistic, right? But God made way for her to raise her son. So much so that in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24, it says, By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. This was a young man who understood his upbringing, and you know the story. He rejected that lifestyle, rejected that culture. He went forward with God's plan and program, and is known as one of the greatest men to walk the earth today. Somebody say, that's ideal. That's what we want to see. Yeah, clap for what God can do in our families. We want to see our children fulfill purpose. But our question then says, or our, our, our conversation then says, parents that are here today, Young people that are here, what do you do when your parent has done all that God has given them to do? Given them all the instruction and they've laid it before you and they've trained up a child in the way he or she is to go. They've done their part. And that child blatantly chooses to do the complete opposite. You've heard of the prodigal son, right? Completely. To the point where you say, you know what? Give me my inheritance now which was pretty much saying, dad, drop dead. Because you don't get your inheritance until your father has transitioned, right? He said, dad, I'm tired with this nonsense. You know, some of my kids will challenge us. I'm a man now. I'm a woman now. You don't tell me what to do. What do you do when your child or, you know, young one that you love rejects your upbringing? That's what we're starting from this morning. And so the first question was going to go to my dear brother, Alfred. Okay. And the question is this, Alfred, just what do you do when you have done what you know to be God's will and you train up the child in the way he or she should go and they go against those upbringings and those standards? Well, that's a very tough one because it, you, you're, you're, you're reminded that you've done all you can do for this child and this child is still not going in the right way. But we should do what, what, what God would do in this case. Hmm. Meaning, there's two things to take into consideration. One, the word of God is powerful. Hmm. And if you can rely on the word and rely on what you have done, there will come a point, the word of God said, that they will remember and will turn away and come back to what it was that they were doing before. If you look at how, in, even kids don't realize it, 
they say when they grow up, they will not depart from it. That growing up doesn't necessarily have to do with their age. It has to do with their understanding. All right? So in essence, when, when, when a kid says or rejects their father's or their mother's upbringing, they, they don't realize they're rejecting their covering. They think they're just rejecting or rebelling against old parents who just want to tell them what they'll do and they, don't, and they know better. They don't realize they're rejecting covering. So in essence, when they realize it, when they're sitting in their pig pen eating hog husk, okay, and they realize, wow, in my father's house, even the servants eat better than this, then they, they start to recall that this was actually for my good and not, and not to be against me. But in order for that to happen, they, they have to understand that their parents love them with all their hearts and that they just want them to go the right way. So in that case, parents, I just advise you, just take on the word of God. Continue to be you. Continue to be looking out for them because there will be a time when they will come back. Now, when they come back, your response is important. So remember to respond in the right way so that they will know that they were loved all along. Powerful, powerful, powerful. Great, great, great response, great response. And you know, in the ideal situation, when a child does that, your response is ideally. It should be love-driven, right? But there are times where we as parents, we miss it. I'll be the first one on this stage to tell you there are times where I royally missed it. How many of y'all know the story of Noah? You know the story of Noah. You know, Noah's that guy who built the ark, you know. Was the one who rescued the world, you know. But it says in chapter 9 of Genesis that Noah, after he had worked hard doing his thing for the Lord, he took a break. And this break included planting grapes. And then Pastor Noah, Prophet Noah, decided to go and get drunk. And the Bible says Noah got drunk to the point where he was naked and exposed. Some of us, we show our mess to our children, giving them justifiable cause to rebel. The next question goes to Willie. Willie, is there ever a time when a young person has justifiable cause to reject their covering, dishonor their parents, knowing that their parents, you know, they're, you know, they're not perfect and they make their mistakes? Are young people ever justified in being dishonorable? Uh, short answer, no. Okay, elaborate. Um, I think one thing that tends to happen, um, especially with young people, is the, the commands that we see in the Bible, oh, you know, honor your father and mother, blah, blah, all that stuff, um, and just any commandment in general, we tend to make it about, oh, the person we're honoring, or, oh, love your neighbor, or that, that type of stuff. But this command that God is having you keep is more for you than it is for them. Even if they get you mad from here to there, one day they won't be there to do that, right? And, you know, God put them in your life for whatever reason. Whatever reason he decided to, that's him. Only he knows. But your responsibility as a child of God and in your father's house is to honor them anyway, whether they make you mad or sad or whatever. So there's no justifiable uh, reason to dishonor them, especially what Uncle Alfred was saying. There's a covering with that. Even if your parents aren't necessarily honorable parents, 
there's still a covering. Because if your parents forget their responsibilities, now God is responsible. So if your parents decide, you know what, I don't want anything to do with you, if you honor them anyway, that's something God has to write down in his book. You know what, I gave them, I gave him these parents and they didn't listen, but he listened to them anyway. So, I like that. I like that a lot. So in essence, it's not your responsibility to make your parents honorable parents. It's your responsibility to honor them regardless. You know what came to my mind was the story of David and Saul. Y'all know that story, right? And Saul was David's surrogate father in a sense, where David moved in the house and the man that he was serving wanted to kill him. Saul was demon possessed as a matter of fact. Yet David said, it's not my business to put hands on this man. It is, touch not God's anointed. Do his prophet no harm. And we see the outcome. The kingdom was given to David because of the way he honored his leadership, his parental guidance. That's good, Willie. Thank you. Okay, so we've gotten to the point where now discipline you know, disciplinary action has to be taken. This child has dishonor or, you know, this child has left the home or whatever the case is. This, this question is for you, Sis Precious. What would you say then are the proper principles of disciplining children in our homes? Key word, in our homes, because there are times when they're no longer in our homes. You can't do nothing about it. They're gone. While they're in our home, what are some principles? So I don't think there is a one approach or one guideline for that. I think it's important for us to learn our children. Uh, we need to, every child is different. And so discipline um, has to be structured for that child. There are times where we even get comfortable and we learn them at a young age and we know how to discipline them, but then they start getting older and we have to change our mindset and we have to figure out new ways. I tease all the time that discipline for some of us now in this modern age is turning the Wi-Fi off and watch everybody scrambling. But all jokes aside, just to keep it practical, you might have one child where, you know, taking their phone away is, is a serious, serious hardship for them. While by the other child, they're like, here, take it, I don't care. You know? So you really have to, you really have to understand how your child works. You know, and, and then as a parent, you also have to self-reflect. Maybe the discipline you had growing up, do you want to use the same discipline in today's age, or do you need to adapt and change that? A lot of times we need to communicate with our kids a whole lot more because we have rules in our house. You know, you must do this, you must do that. One child, I can tell one child, no, because of this, or, I'm, you know, you're, you're grounded because of this, and they're fine. The other child, I have to explain why. Why do I have this rule? Why are you, un, you know, why are you grounded? I have to go into a whole lot more detail. So it's really, really, really important for us to figure out who our children are and what works. And if we see that it's not working, we have to ask God for wisdom to change it. That's good. That's good. That's good. You know, it's so funny. I've heard, I heard you say the child asked you why. How many of y'all would, how many of you handle that well? When your child said, but mommy, why? Because I, finish the line now, because I, because I, well, just because you said so, I still need to know why you said so. <laughs> it's my way or the highway. Okay, you buying gas? Slim. <laughs> no, that's very important. I think, you know, you hit something that's very important, communication. It's very important. Um, 
discipline, you know, the, the last service, you know, it was, it was well said that discipline is about growth, is about improving, is about, you know, causing that child to get to that place that God has for them. But I want to ask Ann Kofi this question because I think, you know, it's one thing to say from a parental perspective, and there's one thing to hear from a young person. So, Ann, speak into this mic and let us hear you. What are some of the struggles that you have seen or that you may have with the methods of discipline given by parents? Um, I would say the biggest struggle with, because I know there's different methods of discipline. There's, it can be done in many different ways, but the consistent struggle that I find myself having is honestly myself. Because like we said, um, discipline is supposed to help you grow. It's supposed to help you become a better person as you navigate through life. And, be and because, like, because it's uncomfortable for me, because, you know, for discipline to happen, that means there is a pattern of behavior that has been repeated and it needs to stop in order to help you grow. So when I am put outside of my comfort zone, when I'm in an uncomfortable position, I have to face myself every day. I have to fight with myself like, I don't want to do it, but I know I have to do it in order to grow, in order to be the woman that you know, my mom wants me to be or God wants me to be. So. Okay, okay, okay. So then, and you're telling me in those days when your mama Maybe raise the volume a, li a little over zero decibel. How many of you sound people know what I'm talking about? When it's not and, come watch it, but and, you better get it, watch it. You better clean up your. You are okay with that? No. Why? Let's talk about that part. Because a lot of other parents, we think to get the job done, we gotta raise our voice. I'm the first one to tell you I'm one of those. Can we keep it trail or keep it real? Yeah? What's your problem with her raising her voice? I mean, the main problem with raising the voice is, one, I don't like to be yelled at. That's the number one problem. Okay. And two, the other problem is that I feel as though, you know, there could be a little bit more patience. Like, it feels like she's forcing me to do something instead of maybe giving me a choice to do it. Because if I feel like I'm forced, then I'm not going to want to do it, and it'll... Like, I feel like I'll focus more on the fact that I'm being forced to do it and it will take away from, I guess, the lesson of being responsible and having chores and being a responsible person because I'm so focused on her tone and the way that she spoke to me. So it's, it's taken away from the lesson. Had she had spoken to me in a more, you know, hey, you know, it's important that you have a structured thing. Like, if you know at this time you're supposed to do this, then do it then it will, the lesson will be able to get in my head clearly than if she just shouted at me. Mm, that's so well said, Ann. Yeah, that, that's a lesson I just learned. It's not about what you say, but how you say it. You could be saying something that's really, really, really for their good, but I said to someone, you know, you fly a lot, you're in an airplane, you don't want your pilot to just dash the plane on the, on the runway. He takes his time, she takes her time, and they gradually get you to that point. So it's very important how you land your point. Thank you, Ann, for that insight. Clap for Ann. That's powerful. 
That's powerful. Okay, so I'm going back. I'm going to come back to you, Kishna. And the question is this: Then, is there a difference between punishment and discipline? Is there a difference between punishment and discipline? And how do you determine? I had so much fun talking about this in the first service. How do you determine a punishable offense done by a child? And, and for example, you know, and I have boys in my house. These dudes are straight rowdy. They're playing around. Recently, they broke a glass piece in my house, and I looked at it like, the young people would say, bruh. I'm like, what? You know what? Let me walk. Is that a punishable offense? I mean, how do you determine that? What, what you know? I'm still learning, but um, <laughs> I do believe there's a difference between discipline and punishment. And um, You speak loud into the mic. There oh, you go. I do believe there's a difference between discipline and punishment. And like I think the guy said in the first service, when it's discipline, they're, they're learning. They're continuously learning. Whereas when you just punish someone for, like you said, maybe breaking the china cabinet, if you just punish them and take things away from them, you're sort of teaching them that every little thing they do wrong is a punishable offense. And they won't ever learn from that. They won't ever learn from that if you punish them, they're like, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm just going to get punished. No one's going to talk to me like, oh, you can't do whatever caused them to break the glass table or the glass whatever. So I think more talking to them and understanding and making them understand why what you did was wrong because of this. And if you're punishing them, you're just, you're not even talking to them. You're just telling them, go to your room and sit down because I said so. And, but that's not helping them because they don't even know what they, they know what they did, but they don't know, know what they did. They don't know why they're being punished. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. I want to I want to look at this a little a little more because I know some parents in here are saying I need help. Because how do I determine what is punishable versus what is an opportunity to talk? Um, when do I know to shut them down versus when do I know to give them the space to grow? Um, so, Kisha, I'm coming back to you because I think you mentioned earlier you have four children. They're all pretty much adults. Right. <laughs> At what point did you decide, like, you know what, this one right here, this, this is the hard stop. Like, we can't, this, you can't do this part, you know, or eh, you have a little leniency here, you know, let's, you know, because I think we say it, it sounds good up here, but I promise you some of us are going to go home today and that child's going to do something crazy and you are going to bring the, the guillotine and end that problem right there. So how do you determine well, for me, um, I'm not the disciplinarian in our family. My husband is. Okay. So um, <laughs> I think I I'll go to him and say, yo, what do we do about this? Because I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm talking, and this talking is getting nowhere. So he's usually more, uh, I, wouldn't say I wouldn't say strict, but direct, correct. He's more direct when it comes to the discipline and to the punishment. And it's usually not a big punishment with him. It's, it's, it's discipline. It's simply that. It's, it may be a more direct discipline, whereas me just talking, like, please go wash the dishes. Didn't I tell you to wash the dishes? Please go wash the dishes. Him is more, look, you don't have a choice, but go wash the dishes now. And they move. And it doesn't have to be him saying, if you, you know, he doesn't have to say, don't, if you don't wash the dishes, blah, I'm going to take something from you. Um, he just says, go wash the dishes. And they do it. Where I, I guess maybe a softer voice doesn't work. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, if you got boys like some of us, 
you got to speak with your baritone. Hey, boy, I done told you. <laughs> it's my last time telling you. But yeah, I think, I think that's important. I think we need to definitely be able to differentiate what's punishment versus what's discipline. Very important that we don't get those lines blurred. Because ultimately, I believe children, youth, young adults, they're in a developmental stage. And if I just cut them short and shut them down, where did they learn? What did they learn? How did they learn? They learned that if I do something wrong, oh, this is the response. And to be honest with you, they know how to turn that switch off. And say, here she go again. Three, two, one, boom. She's exploded. Or he's yelling. So we got to be as wise as serpent and as harmless as doves. Thank you, Kish. I'm going to come to, yeah, clap for Sis Kishner. That's, that's very good. I'm going to come to Mr. Young Mr. Taylor here and... I'm watching how he responds because I know his daddy. <laughs> We're pretending his daddy's not even aware that this is happening. But Caleb, talk to me. Do you believe, and I want you to be honest, not because I know your dad or anything. <laughs> Do you believe that parents can at times be very overbearing with their requirements and expectations? And if so, why do you think that's the case? Well, yes, Father. They definitely can. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, for real, uh, they can be. But like, <clears throat> parents shouldn't. My fault. <clears throat> parents shouldn't ever look at it as a bad thing. I mean, when they have high expectations, it's because they want the best for their kid, you know. And so every parent wants best for their children. They want them to succeed. They don't want them to miss out on the opportunities that life has to offer, whether they be spiritually or physically. And so it's not really a bad thing. Parents shouldn't look at it as a bad thing. But us as children also need to learn that it's also not a bad thing for them to have high expectations. And so um, many parents have high expectations, but we say high expectations over and over, but we really don't understand what high expectation means. And so after doing some research, praying, you know, concluding, I concluded that high expectations are literally, it's what a parent wants for a, their child that they didn't have. And so high expectations could be a dad didn't, let's say, um, my dad didn't get the promotion he wanted for this job. So his high expectations for, uh, for his kid to be when you're of this age, I want you to be higher than I was. They want, they want their child to be better than they were as a person. And so we need to understand that high expectations is not a bad thing. And so the answer really is, Sometimes us as a child, we really don't know what it means to succeed. And so we get the incline, like the inclining that when they ask for high expectations and we don't succeed those expectations, we feel like we're not enough. And so that's where the problem of high expectations from a parent, that's where the conflict arises. And so what I mean by this, I have in notes, um, the first note I said is the idea of the child is not good enough is a dangerous one because it is one that is not conducive to a child's growth or development. And um, this idea is closely associated with like several words are, I'm not good enough, maybe I'm not doing enough, I'm lazy, I'm not trying, I'm inadequate. And so none of those words are uplifting obviously and motivating for a child, especially if they're doing the best that they can do. And that's where another thing where uh, parents sometimes fail to realize that 
maybe this, what, this, what their child is doing is the absolute best. And so when they start having those mind, those thoughts that play into the, uh, play into the mind, that's where the devil thrives at, obviously. And so this leads the children to believe that they're not good enough. And it's a dangerous place to be, as I said before, because every child is doing the best they can. To, um, well, at least most children are doing the best they can in, um, under certain situations. And so the way I go about this is not every parent Parents, not the way you parent the oldest child is not the way you're going to parent the youngest child, and I've seen it firsthand. And so the advice I give to parents would be is you have to know where your child is at. And what I mean by this is many times parents don't even know what kind of expectations they put on their children. They just say it because I had this, your older brother was doing this, so I want you to do this, when realistically it's not going to be the same. We're all different human beings. We all have different fingerprints, different DNAs, and so it's not gonna be the same. And so sometimes they think their child is more advanced in something, um, and realistically they're not. Um, the next thing they do, they should do is accept them for who they are. Like I mentioned before, your oldest, nine times out of 10, won't be the same way your youngest is. And parents have to be willing to accept us as that. We all require different levels of parenting like Auntie Precious said before, one will cry, have a fit because the Wi-Fi is turned off, while the other child, I don't care, take the phone. That's fine. And so we all require different levels of parenting, so expectations need to be specific for each child. Um, just how you wouldn't expect an individual without legs to stand 10 toes, it's the same uh, for expecting a kid who's five to not have the expectations, the duties of a 15-year-old. It's just not physically possible. And so there's a level of development needed, obviously, whether it's on a spiritual standpoint or on a physical standpoint. And so my last one is let your child grow and learn at their own pace. Um, have patience with them because many times having expectations is not only for the child, but it's also for the parent. Um, it's painful to watch a child not fulfilling their purpose, but it's also painful to, as personal experiences, it's also just as painful to have someone around me that's forcing my development. Um, when, a parent, when a person is developing, they think about themselves more, we're less responsible, and we make more mistakes, obviously, and sometimes we cost more money, um, and we require more time and attention. But this can be tiring, but with patience that is instilled with us from God, um, with time, his will be done within us, so yeah. I'm about to drop the mic and go tell his daddy he proud of him. Cool. That's good, Caleb. Thank you. Something you said. Yeah, clap for that. That's, that's powerful. Very good. He said, don't force the development. That's profound. So at times, out of frustration, we try to force them to get to where God wants for them. Not where we want. We need to understand that he, he has a purpose first before our PhDs and our doctorate. I think somebody said in the first service, what if the child wants to be a rapper? Hmm, uh, how many of you folks would be like, okay, go get your degree in rap. You foolish boy, you better go be a doctor, lawyer, engineer, in rap. Well, you go and rap me some gifts when you get your degree. Sorry. <laughs> That was in my Niger accent, I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 
Well, thank you, Caleb. That's powerful. That's powerful. Okay. So now, Alfred, I'm going to come back to you, man, because this is important that we understand as parents. And let's try to keep our responses within three minutes if possible. Um, what does it mean not to provoke your children to anger? And why is it important to take heed to this advice? This, uh, so basically, first of all, first and foremost, we need to know that children, they're they a gift from God for us, yes, but we are but nothing but stewards. Because when God sent them to this planet, he gave them a purpose. And that purpose is in them for them to become the person that he intends for them to be. So our preconceived notions about where we want them to go to school and what we want them to do and who we have, we have to get rid of that notion. It's an old proverb, I don't know where it came from, I know it's from Africa. It says you born a child, but you don't born their heart. You born a child, you give birth to them, but you don't give birth to their heart. Their heart belongs to them. We are there to guide them. So if you got a, a child who is doing everything you, you ask of them, you know, they are in the Lord, they are always respectful, they are honoring you in every way, and this child decides they want to go be a rapper, again, you born the child, you did not give birth to their heart. Your job at that point is not to exasperate them, not to make them feel frustrated because they can say, what else do I need to do? I do everything for this parent. I do, and, but my heart is saying that I need to be an artist, but there is no support. When you start, when you don't support them, I'm just using rapper, it doesn't, mean, doesn't necessarily have to be that. Because in some families, if you're not an engineer, you're not a doctor, you're not this, you're not successful. So if you don't, if you, if you don't find... If you don't, if you don't, if you're not careful to 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 support this child and pray for wisdom and pray in the uh, so that God can give you the grace so that you can relent from whatever career you had posted on the wall before they were born, <laughs> you will that you will turn that child against you because ultimately they will become an adult and they will and they will they will resent you for what you did for them rather than love you for what you how you handled being uh, 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 supportive with their dreams, all right? So we need, to, we need to recognize that, especially if the child is doing everything. We can't frustrate their efforts. We can't frustrate who they are, because if you do, then you miss the whole point. They, you, don't, you, you don't want to live your life vicariously through your children. <laughs> that, you miss your opportunity now. Let them live their opportunity <laughs> in Jesus' name. You know, I, I, didn't, I didn't get to play soccer when I was small, so you will go to every soccer league there is on the planet. And if you don't kick the ball right, you are a disappointment to the family. Who does that? Um, it's important not to provoke our children. You know, I, was, I said this in the first service, and I'll say it here. The recent shootings that we had were both young adults, teenagers. The 18-year-old in Buffalo, the young man in Texas. And I, I'm a firm believer that there was resentment that somewhere along his upbringing, there was, he was provoked to anger. And it was never resolved. And so I was saying that we don't want to raise little terrorists in our homes. Yeah. You don't want to see that child ending up on the news because you as a parent was so over them to literally they begin to have mental health issues. We think it doesn't exist in the church. It does, FYI. 
And a lot of it comes from unhandled anger. So I believe that's definitely a reason why we need to, you see I said this also, it was God who said fathers do not provoke, it was not pastor uh, uh, this or bishop that, it was God who said it. So it's, 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 not, it's not an option, we cannot provoke them. Okay, and I'm talking to me, I'm not talking to y'all by the way, in case y'all, I know, I know where I'm at. Okay, great response, can you put it together for Brother Alpha real quick? Well said, well said. Okay, we have a few minutes left here, so I'm going to pivot to Willie. And Willie, this question is real simple. I believe you can answer it well. What is one thing you believe parents, now I'm not talking about your parents specifically, but if you're talking to them, that's good. <laughs> what is one thing you believe parents needed to know, or what is one thing you wish they knew in regards to parenting their children before their children even got here? From your perspective now. Um... Okay, I think in the last in the last um, in the last panel, they talked about how you know um, both of us are human. Parents and children were all human, right? And so, being as we are all human, I think the one thing that tends to I don't know we that I, I don't know, maybe parents tend to miss is the need for communication for constant communication and clear communication. This thing that you do where, oh, because I said so, or oh, because go do this, or move like this, or do like that, or whatever. Or what Ann was saying, where like, you're communicating, but you're raising your voice, and you can't, the message that you're getting is taken away from just because you yelled, or whatever. You know, um, because we're all human, there's a way that you, that you need to be able to speak to a person in order for them to get whatever you're saying. Once you understand that, you can get through whatever it is that you need to get through to them. But if all you can do is yell, you say, oh, you, why'd you do this? Why'd you do that? And blah, blah, blah. And blah, blah, blah. Like, it, it doesn't make sense. And, it, and it, there tends to be one thing that I've, I guess I can say in my own experience, that I've seen is there's never any space to vent. You can be mad, but I can't be mad. <laughs> like, I just, I'm just, I'm, hold on, hold on, hold on, wait, 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 just give me a second, just give me a second. I was spinning, t- I lost that point, that's why I was doing all the talking I was doing. That's the first thing I was going to say, I just forgot it. Um, we're both human. I, I just, I've never understood this thing where it's, oh, how can you be sad? You have a roof, you have a bed, you have a couch, you watch TV, you... Don't you have the same roof, the same bed, the same couch? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So the, 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 the point that I'm making isn't to be a stickler and say, oh, how dare you, how dare you. But it's just, why get mad at me for being mad? But when you're mad, I should leave you alone. It doesn't work. If I'm, if I'm mad or if I make you mad or we make each other mad, are we not both human beings? Do you raise your voice at your superiors when, when, they, when you're mad at them at your job? No, you talk to them like a normal human being. So if you expect the same of me, then I should expect the same. It's just, I think, I think they, I'm sorry if I'm going over my time. I think they talked about hypocrisy in the last one. Hi. Different expectations for different people. <laughs> like, because... I'm an adult, I get to do this, but because you're a child, you don't get to do this. And, and 
I just <laughs> this just the point that I'm making is um, I think it was I think it was uh, what Deacon James I think he's I think he was the one who said it that children learn not necessarily by what you give them it's by observation it's by observation I'm seeing everything that you're doing so if I see you raise your voice this high why are you mad at me I learned it from you you understand what I'm saying? I learned it. Oh, don't raise your voice. Don't say this. Don't say that. The same, in the same way <laughs> that I shouldn't say it. That's how you're saying it to me. With a raised voice. If you say it, don't raise your voice at me. Okay. Because if he's telling me not to raise my voice and he's not raising his voice, I understand. Vanessa said it in the last panel that, you know, we understand that you're, that you're born in a different culture. You're born in a different time, in a different place. And so the way that you're raised and everything that you do is different. And so a lot of the times, even though I can come here and I can list out all these things, a lot of the times it's not intentional. They're not doing it on purpose to make me mad or whatever, whatever, whatever. But I think it was, somebody said it last time, right? As I grow, grow with me. Understand that we are two different people in two different places growing, learn, growing up in two different places with different parents. The parents you had are not you. Why are you? Th- I, just, you know. Tit down with them. Tit down with them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> because your dad did this. I, um, so the point that I'm making is, um, you know, just recognize both, both children and parents. Both people wow. are allowed to make mistakes. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you punish your child, we were talking about punishment. If you punish your child for making a mistake, now I can't make mistakes. Now what Kayla was saying happens, oh, I'm not good enough. Because once you make a mistake, then you come with this long uh, speech about all the things that I wish you would do. And oh, you know, I have these expectations for you. Expectations, the great things that you want for your child are great. Things that you didn't have that you want your child to have are great. But you have to realize you need to be, you need to keep it equal on both sides. That, that stole that from Dylan. You need to keep it equal on both sides. If you have it one way here, have it the same way on the other side. Because I'm watching. I'm not mad, like, in the same way that you're not mad at me for no reason. I'm not mad at you for no reason. You think I can't, you know, logic things myself? If I'm angry because I see some type of injustice or something like that. It's because I'm not understanding. How come you, you do this, 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 but then me, it, it just doesn't work. So I say if that, it, it, I'd say it starts there. If the, not necessarily that parents and children are on the same level, whatever, sure, authority, all that. But just to say, you, we can have a conversation. Both of you are, are, you know, old enough to speak English to each other, whatever language you speak. <laughs> so that's it, let me... Tell him why you, why you, where you at, boy. <laughs> Put your hands together for that response. Very, very, very well said. You notice I gave him time because he got a lot to say. He's speaking on behalf of all of the nations <laughs> of young people around the world. But it's true. We can't be hypocritical. I think that's very key. And parents, as we raise our children, and I'm not speaking like I'm some expert here, I promise. Some of the stuff he's talking about, I'm guilty as charged. But when you stop pointing fingers at me, look at yourself too. And reevaluate how you're doing this. We're almost at our end here. We only got a several, several minutes left. So I'm going to go quickly. Kishna, what would you say to a parent then who has lost hope and believe that there is no way that their child can come out of the crisis that they're currently in? 
I would say that there is hope. Um, again, like I said previously in the first service, you have to get yourself to a point where you see beyond the child and you literally see God in that child. Um, you have to get to a point where you really believe that God said this is going to be this for this child. And instead of looking at all the negative things that the child has done or is doing that you're not happy with, that you feel that they, sh like, they shouldn't be doing this because we want our will <laughs> to be on them or we want them to do better than we did, we have to give them the space to mess up. But we also have to give God the opportunity to fix it. Mm. We can't, we literally can't fix it in our own strength. We can pray all day long and we can fall on our face and we can cry. Been there, done that. I had to get to a place where, again, I had to see God through my children. Not just knowing God is there, I had to see him. I had to look through my children and know that he, he, he promised me this and they may have messed up for the past seven years or they may have strayed for the past seven years or whatever the case may be, but I have to stand on his word that what he said his word is will come to pass and we just have to learn to see God through our children. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Yeah. That word is for a parent here this morning. If you are looking at a situation that's seemingly hopeless, God is still able to do what he said he would do. And quickly, what does it mean then to honor your parents? And why do you think many young people struggle with this honor? Um, honoring your parents. You got to get loud. Get your sing I want singing, Ann. I don't want, I want Ann that's, yeah, get loud. Honoring your parents, I feel like, comes with your actions and with your words. But just as much as you can act, just as much as you can honor them with your actions and with your words, it really all starts from the inside. It really comes from an attitude of honor. It comes from your heart posture being okay. Like, this is my mom. This is my dad. I have to honor them. You know, even if they've done this and they've done that, I have to honor them. It, it starts from inside because I, I can act the most, res I can act as if I'm, I'm the most respectable daughter to my dad. But on the inside, I'll be cursing him. I'll be cursing him. I'll be insulting him. Like, see, 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 look at this guy. They tell me to do all these things. Like, I can be doing that. But on the outside, it won't seem like that. So it starts from the inside because God looks at your heart. He doesn't look at your actions. So it starts from the inside. And I feel like this is important advice because um, God saw that it was so important that he listed it in his Ten Commandments. It was that important to him that he put it in his Ten Commandments. And he, re he reinforces it all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the New Testament, that it is important to honor your mom and your dad. And as a reward, he promises long life. Amen. That is how important it is. And I understand that it can be hard because we didn't, not all of us, we did not all grow up with picture-perfect parents and picture-perfect homes. Some of us have been verbally abused, mentally abused, emotionally abused, and it's hard to respect and give honor to someone who has caused you so much trouble in life. But my advice to that would be don't see it as you're doing it for them. 
It's not for their sake, it is for yours. Because when that day comes, when you have to be face, with, face to face with God, you, God's not gonna be looking at, oh, what your dad did, what your mom did, he's gonna be looking at what you did. So don't let what your parents are doing stop you from getting into heaven. So. That's good, that's good. Well said, well said, well said. Well said. Since Precious, let me ask you this then. What would you say to us today, as parents, what would you say are the key ways or ideals that we need to implement as parents when it comes to raising our children in the discipline and in the instructions of the Lord? All right, before I answer your question, I just want to speak to parents really quick. Um, we need to give a hand for our youth and the responses that they're providing, but I think it's important. Yeah. I think it's so important that we walk away from here understanding that the only way we can hear our children and improve ourselves is if we stop and listen to them. If we give them an avenue that they can come to us and tell us what's not working. That if you're screaming all the time, that if they come to you and say, hey, mommy, when you scream at me, I don't hear you, I shut down, please don't do it anymore. We need to, to give them the space to feel free enough to come and tell us that. And then we need to listen. And then we need to take action and apply it. A lot of times we don't do that. Some of our kids are so afraid of us that they can't even come to us and tell us how they feel. And so I really think it's important for us to walk away with that. Now to answer your question. I honestly, there's a scripture that says, are uh, uh, like arrows in the hands of a warrior or a children born to one's youth. I honestly carry that scripture with me throughout raising my daughters. I think it's important that when we're training them up, that there are certain things that we are aware of. The first one is they are like sponges. Uh, the young man said that from the time they're babies until they leave our homes, they are like sponges. They, they pay more attention to what we do versus what we bark at them, right? We may tell them all day, do this, do this, do this, but if we are not showing them by our actions in our day-to-day -day life, they're not going to do it. If you want them to pray, let them see you praying or call them to pray. If you want them to read their Bible, read your Bible and let them see you reading your Bible. If you want them to honor your mother, if you want them to honor you as their mother and their father, you honor your mother and father and let them see you doing it. I think it's so important that our day-to-day -day lives speak to them more than, than what we say to them and what we communicate to them. The second thing is reminding them always that God loves them a whole lot more than I do. He loves them more than I can ever love them, and I love them a whole lot, right? So I remind them all the time, God loves you and your identity is in Christ. Your identity is not in all the mess you see online and social media and what you hear at school and, and what you're being exposed to, but your identity is in Christ always. And so by telling them, one, God loves you more than anybody and that your identity is in them, my hope is that no matter what life throws at them, that they will always remember that. And then, and then the last thing is, again, to us parents, we can, we, can, we can buy books like the five love languages for children or teens. We can read all the material out there. If we are not taking time to replenish ourselves, spend time in the word for ourselves, commune with God for ourselves, we're empty and we have nothing to pour into our children's lives. 
And in today's where you're working, 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 I mean, as a single parent, I am the maid, I am the driver, I am the friend when need the therapist, I am the cook, I am everything, right? It's tiring, it's exhausting, you get burned out. Even for, for parents where both are in the home, it's exhausting raising kids in, in today's world with all the activities, the sports activities, the school, the homework, the everything. If we're not taking time out and we're so overwhelmed, we get angry, we get short-tempered, we just don't have time to hear them out and to really be the type of parents that they need. So it's important for us to take that time out for us and, and, and raise ourselves up in, 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 in Christ so that we can then pour back out to them. That's so powerful, so powerful. Our last and final question will come back to Mr. Taylor. And Caleb, how would you encourage young people then, those that are listening in the room, those that are watching online, how would you encourage them to pursue their purpose in Christ as they submit to their God-given parents or leaders? Um, I'm gonna keep it quick. So the question was, how would you encourage them? Um, well, for me, on a personal standpoint, um, the things I did to help pursue, like, or as I pursue my purpose, where I feel like I know my purpose, um, I feel like our leaders, as well as ourselves, we could provide ourselves multiple contact points, like people to get in contact with, because um, it provides what I call a echo of faith. And so where you're hearing different viewpoints and standpoints from people about the word and encouragement, just getting viewpoints from different people with variety offers better understanding because you're not just hearing one person, you're hearing several different, multiple people. And so um, I also encourage you to get in contact with leaders that are rooted and in the word as well as individuals similar to your group because obviously even though you're not gonna listen or relate to somebody, a 50, 60 year old person, you're not gonna relate to them as much as somebody who's a 20 year old you know, because their experiences are not dissimilar as the one, the 20 year old. So I'd say getting people, also getting people with the 60 year old, those people are important, those people are important too, but getting people who are similar to you and um, engaging youth and young adult ministries um, because those type of things, events, they can help you belong, believe, and allow you to share your gifts which is my last point, which brings me to the purpose. Um, the beautiful part of Christianity is God allows us to reach our purpose in a variety of ways, um, whether it be singing, um, handling kids, or with me, I play a sport, so it could be playing a sport. Um, it always allows, there's always a gateway of ministry in all that, what I just said. So anything you do, there's always a gateway to ministry to it. And so, I encourage all my young adults to use their gift and not only use it, but practice it because with perfect practice makes perfect. And so I encourage you to do that and use it for good. I'm not saying use your gift because there's a way you can use your gifts for negativity, but you can always use it for positivity. So use it for positivity and for the will of God because who knows, you're, the thing that you love so much that you lean back on, it will become a gateway for somebody else to fall back on God and so, yeah, um, so I got. Hmm. You got plenty. <laughs> I want you to put your hands together for this amazing panel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Excellent, 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 excellent viewpoints. 
I said this in the last service and I'm going to say it here. The war continues. The war continues. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Thank you.